and welcome to the ninth episode of Genre Equality. This is Hitzer. I'm Hadi. And I'm Isa. This month, there is a duff, a duff of quality cinema. There really isn't much, much. out on Netflix or Hulu mm. or the cinemas at all. But as with every month, there's always a lot of TV to talk about. Yes, yep. yes there is. And uh, just uh, for your information, this month we'll have a special guest. Yeah. Uh, Shafiq from The Last King Podcast. We'll be talking about some tie-in issues, which is our new segment where we talk about the controversies surrounding the genre properties that we love. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. We'll be talking about Disney Fox this month, and we'll be talking about Toxic Fandom, which yes. is a prevalent... Nearly omnis, not omniscient. That's not the right omnipresent. word. Omnipresent. Omnipresent uh, topic that we've kind of um, talked about nearly every month now. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so tune in for that around the midway point of this episode. Uh, but we'll kick it off with probably, I guess, the biggest TV show out over the last couple of months. Biggest? Just by virtue of it being in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Oh, okay. Right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, um, so based on Marvel Comics' original Runaways, yes. not to be confused with the other The Runaways, yep. <laughs> uh, Cloak & Dagger is the latest TV series set in the MCU. Yeah. Expanding beyond ABC, Netflix, and Hulu, this series airs on Freeform, mm-hmm. and is to me, I think, the most consistently compelling MCU show outside of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. I agree. And The Punisher. Yeah. Um, this show is what I wanted Hulu's Runaways to be. And for the record, right, yeah. I like The Runaways... Quite a bit, but I was still disappointed because I expected more. And also, and, they didn't run away, uh, Well, they did like the last ten part. minutes. Yeah. Like. <laughs> um, yeah, I thought it was a clever twist on your origin story. Mm. It's elevated by two very, very good teen actors in Olivia Holt and Aubrey Joseph. Yep. Uh, who helped make these characters sort of um, internal struggles, uh, yeah. very grounded and re- relatable and visceral. Uh, plus, that's all juxtaposed with this overarching Roxxon storyline mm-hmm. and the show's um, surprisingly brave and mature external themes of racism, police yeah. brutality, and homelessness. It's all presented in a very adult manner in ways that are more sophisticated than you expect from a young, young, young adult, adult drama. Yeah, um, so what do you think about it, Hadi? Uh, overall, I agree with everything that you said. Yeah. Uh, again, those two actors, the actors for Cloak and Dagger were great. La. Yeah. Uh, I'm really impressed by uh, the Roxanne CEO, Peter Scarborough, Scarborough mm. even though he didn't really feature much. Yeah. But just the, the idea of a slimy piece of shit CEO, right? And they all. Yeah, yeah, but I mean, this, especially Roxanne CEO, right? <laughs> Roxanne is such a villainous company in the yeah. MCU. Yeah, you finally see them in the forefront of some uh, of a these From Iron company. Man to Agent Carter to yeah. here, I mean, they're, yeah, they're all over the MCU. Yeah, but like, it's very minor, minor parts. Mm. Like this, they play a bigger role. In, the in, main villain. Yeah, the, the main villain. Mm-hmm. So it's quite nice to actually see one of the villainous companies. Another villainous company from the Marvel. So many. Are there, are there any good companies? I mean, Start I guess industries. Stuck industries like, but even know. then, they also. Yeah, even then, also. Yeah. 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 But anyway, apart from that, uh, this was actually quite easy to get through. Yeah. Um, the difference, I, 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 in terms of quality, I find it a lot better than uh, Runaways. Runaways. Yeah. Even though, like you said, we enjoyed Runaways. Yeah. Um, I like in terms of production value. Production value, yeah. Acting, acting, production, uh, pacing, writing, yeah. writing, acting. Nearly mm. on every level. Uh, level uh, yeah. Okay, okay. Um, so, interestingly, mm. uh, these were the mentors of the Runaways, la, you know? Mm. And to actually see them a, a bit of a different uh, origin than the comics. Mm. Um, slight twist. Though. Slight twist, yeah. yeah. Where now is the black guy who's rich, yeah. and uh, it's the and white girl who's poor, who's poor and, yeah. uh, living in an abandoned house or a church, sorry. Yeah, I, yeah. I, I guess that, that still works, la. it doesn't matter la, mm. like, who was the poor one or who was the rich one. Mm. The storyline yeah. is still there, and I kind of like this budding love story thing. La. Sure, yeah. 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 Overall, I enjoyed myself, and yeah. 
I will recommend it. I did think that um, Olivia Holt's character, right, mm. the way that she treated her initial boyfriend was pretty fucked up. Uh. A bit lah, yeah. Yeah, so it was it was hard for me to get into the love story because you know I felt so bad for the original. Yeah, guy. I get the that. The one that she left in prison. Yeah. And then she stole every he stole everything for her, yeah. and then she she just abandoned him. Yeah. I thought it was pretty fucked up. It is. Um, I did also think that the finale is where the show kind of falls apart for me. Where, yeah. Uh, in in reverse to the Runaways, where the in the, the finale, finale everything came together. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, the last episode was the weakest of the bunch uh, because it it just started to become, it just started to combine all the corniest and worst aspects Tropes. of the show yeah. into this one giant shit show. Yeah. Um, gone is the great acting, dialogue, teen drama. It becomes a standard superhero show where they fight that giant glowing thing in the sky. Yeah. You know, it's it's the standard thing. <laughs> uh. Yeah. And, and when they are both using powers to fight zombies and find a MacGuffin, it just becomes standard superhero stuff. Like, mm-hmm. and, and all the stuff that I liked about from the previous episodes uh, totally disappeared. Um, I do have to shout out that I really, really enjoyed its New Orleans setting. Yeah. Um, it offered some very hyper-specific local traditions mm-hmm. to play around with, you know, landmarks, culture, colourful backdrops, the voodoo stuff and yeah. all of that. Uh, it added some colourful colour to the proceedings that is... Uh, it, let's just say it's always refreshing to step outside New York City. Right? Yeah, yeah. Mm, yeah. I mean, sure. it it it, uh, it gave me a bit of a callback to to series like True Blood, Tr- you know. Oh, I was gonna say Tremé. Tremé also yes. Yeah, but I mean something closer to sci-fi lah. Sure, yeah. Because True Blood wasn't set in New Orleans. It's in that in the South lah. Louisiana. Yeah. yeah. Louisiana. Yeah. Yeah. But same same lah. No, I I only learned about all these um traditions like you know the the black red Indians for example ah, and yeah? all that. I only learned on about them on Tremé. Tremé, yeah, yeah. 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 And all the little cultures and the, the mythology that they woven through has been talked about on Tremere as well. Obviously, yeah. clearly, this is not anywhere near the level of a David Simon show. No way. Clearly, yeah, yeah, yeah. La, this, yeah, is not, yeah, yeah. this is nowhere near the Wyo, <laughs> despite, you know, the police brutality yeah. and everything. Yeah. Uh, but got glimpses, la, glimpses. Yes, it's yeah. elevated for MCU, la, yes. at, least, at least on the TV form. I agree. Um, in the end, uh, I still will only rate this 7 out of 10. Around there, yeah. Yeah. It would have I... been an 8 if not for the finale. Yeah. Yeah. The finale kind of kicked it, wow. kicked it in the butt. Okay. Really kicked it in the butt. Yeah. I'm still intrigued to see season 2. Me too. Uh, but the finale was just... Poof. They could have done better. Yeah. Yeah, the quality for the first 9 episodes was... Pretty stellar. Yeah. They just uh, fell on the landing. Mm. You know like when you watch like a great gymnastics routine, yeah. and then the last one you fell down, I'm like, oh shit, come on. No, yeah. this is really a broken leg. Yeah, this one really was a broken leg. <laughs> broken leg. Yeah. I mean, not irreparable, it's not like a broken spine or anything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, but can, can come back next can year. Can come back next year, yeah. <laughs> Go for surgery, exactly, rehab, and shit. Yeah. Yep, yep. Uh, next one will be jumping into a very, very short series. Mm-hmm. Uh, something that actually isn't available in America. Yeah. Uh-huh. Uh, but if you know where to find it, you can uh, find it. I mean, I'm not going to advocate for anything. piracy or yeah. anything, but there are ways to watch this. Yeah. It's a New Zealand show called Wellington Paranormal. <laughs> and if that sounds familiar, it is spun off from what we do in the shadows, the famous Taika Watiti mockumentary. Yeah. Mm. Um, this particular show is run by Jermaine Clement of uh, Legion and Flight of the Concords fame. Oh, and also Coco Solid um, and it's a new horror comedy that follows the same hapless police officers we <laughs> met in the said Taika Watiti documentary yeah. they get recruited into this new paranormal unit in the Wellington Police Department and think about it as like cops meets the X-Files uh, done in kind of the dry understated humour of Flight of the Concords um, the show is just like delightful because it takes the piss out of everything like, what, yeah. what, um, Aisa Fong caught this yes. so what do you think about this? Uh well, being as short as it was, right? And every episode was like twenty minutes long. Twenty minutes and only uh, six, six episodes. episodes. Yeah. Uh, it was a very easy binge, right? Super and easy, yeah. um, I just think like the treatment even made it, made it even more so. Mm. So I found it extremely um, 
well, how do I put this? Uh, it was easy to watch, easy to get into, and it passed really quickly. Yeah. I, like before I knew it, like six episodes were up. Uh, but at the same time, you know, it's good for a light laugh or two, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Uh, and just the way they treat all the tropes and all of that, mm-hmm. uh, and in that very telling YT, uh, Taika Waititi style yeah. as well, uh, was entirely enjoyable. Uh, I did find that sometimes the pacing kind of like fell off mm-hmm. uh, in terms of the delivery of the um, the content. Yeah. You know, like between like some of the very cheap jump scares, yeah, uh, which are used to great effect sometimes, but other times not so much. Mm. And just the straight face jokes, I don't know if it's like a cultural thing or maybe, uh, something that I didn't quite get. Uh, I think it's just a Kiwi thing, uh. Yeah, it could. Uh, I just fly the concords and all the Taika Waititi stuff I've ever seen is all like that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I I do feel like some of them didn't land as as much as I wanted them to. Mm-hmm. You know, for me personally. Uh, but yeah, overall, I definitely enjoyed it. I think like if you are a big Taika Waititi fan, uh, with what he's done with Thor mm-hmm. or what he's done with uh, what, what we, we do in the, in the shadows, shadows, which which is a great great movie. Yeah. Um, I think that anyone who's a fan should definitely watch it. Mm-hmm. And if you're, you know, if you want like a satirical, very off kilter kind of straight face look at what genre stuff is today, it's yeah. a great. It's a great series. Yeah. It's uh, it's just it's gonna take up a slightly over two hours in real life, mm-hmm. um, yeah. and it's it's quite delightful, uh, yeah. Especially if you compare it to these other shows, let's say Iron Fist, which we have to um bear through next month. Yeah. Which mm-hmm. is gonna take up thirteen plus hours of your life. This is this is a very easy binge and has uh, and pack some punch for the small uh, amount of content that it is. Like. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like I think that your, your the time investment that you mm. you put in will definitely be rewarded with quite a number of like good laughs and and. It's, it's an all-round feel-good thing despite, you know, yeah. the subject matter that they're dealing with. Yeah, they're, they're stupid. They're mocked for being stupid. Yeah. But it's not done in a mean way. Yeah. Um, so, like, whether they're handling, like, petty crimes or battling werewolves or aliens <laughs> or zombies or poltergeists or demons from hell, these guys have, like, no clue what they're doing, like, and, and therein lies the fun. Um, yeah, it's, it's just funny, and but really, really restrained, goofy humour. Mm, yes. uh, it falls flat in some parts and isn't as consistent as I would like it to be. Yeah, uh, sure. But it retains the charm of its source material. Uh. Mm. Um, so I think I would rate this at about an, an 8 out of 10, just because it's such an easy watch. Mm. Uh, I'm going to give it like a 7 out of 10 for me. Mm. I do feel that uh, it could be... Again, I think it might be just a Kiwi thing, or maybe yeah. a Taikai or a Titi thing. Uh, but like some of them I really wanted you know there to be a lot bigger more laughs, cons- bigger laughs and a lot more consistent across the board yeah yeah. some of the jokes just kind of fell flat and, and those moments I was like oh okay yeah mm. right uh, but when it's good it's really good yeah uh, but other than that uh, it's definitely above average so a 7 upon 10 for me by the way, right, I was watching, I mean, when, if you're trying to find clips of Wellington Paranormal online, I came across a New Zealand cop show, mm-hmm. some, like, a lot like cops, like. Yeah. And, and then they posted up like one segment, it's just five minutes of uh, these two cops, very much like the cops in here, yeah. asking this uh, drug addict outside, um, do you have any weapons in your bag or anything that can harm us? Then yeah. he says no. And then they have like a jump cut to them like taking out like 36 knives from his bag like, <laughs> one by one. And uh, it's just like, it, it's just four minutes of them pulling out knife after knife after knife after <laughs> like knife. Like different kind of knives. Like, like different kind of knives. And, <laughs> and like it re- the jump cut to that, right, really feels like Brooklyn Nine-Nine. Right? It's, it's pretty amazing. I forgot what that New Zealand uh, cop show is, but you can just Google New Zealand cops and okay. you definitely find it. It's oh, really okay. funny. Okay. Um, next we'll be moving on to something like I talked about very, very briefly um, on Quick Hits maybe three or four episodes ago. Yep. It's an alternate reality spy 
espionage kind of show mm-hmm. called Counterpart lah, starring J.K. Simmons. It was a really underrated hidden gem on um, Stars, maybe mm. earlier this January or February. Um, I particularly loved it, and I asked Isa Fung and Redon Hardy, your full names, Shay, uh, yeah, to, to, to catch up on this over the last couple of months, and they finally have. So we're gonna do kind of a revisit review this time from a different point of view. So what do you guys think of J.K. Simmons's counterpart? Jesus Christ, this was a great, great series. I, yeah, I'm very glad that we took the time out to come. Yeah, I can't I can believe I took so long <laughs> to, to watch it. It's, a, it's an excellent, excellent thing. Maybe one of the best pieces of TV we've seen this year. I think and you I described it the it. best though. You described it as the Americans with a sci-fi element, right? Yeah, like like if, if Russia was an alternate dimension, yeah. which it kind of is, this this would be your show. Perfect, right? Yeah. yeah. Like, I mean, okay, J.K. Simmons. Perfect, right? Oh, amazing. Actor. Like, you could actually tell the difference between Howard Prime and Howard Alpha. Yeah, but like, it's it's nuanced in a way that Tatina Maslany's performance wasn't because her characters yeah. were so different. So different. Yes. But this one, it had, they both were of the same person, you know. Because mm. they had the same uh, initial timeline. Up until 30 years ago. Yeah. So they have to have at least some similar traits. Yeah. 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 But you could tell, like, it was so subtle, but it was so like, hey, oh, that so is definitely Prime. Yeah. Or yeah. that is definitely Alpha. You could tell immediately. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And after a while, you start to kind of realise, I think with a lot of, oh, again, like, Tatiana Maslany is great. Right, yeah. but just because they make the differentiation so obvious, mm-hmm. uh, there is not much of a challenge, right? There are just yeah. these moments, especially with Howard Prime acting as Howard Alpha, mm. where he just kind of like throws himself into the thing and he allows mm. himself to soften, just so that he can fulfill that particular role of what Alpha is yeah. like, mm-hmm. right? Uh, sometimes it's difficult, it you is. know, and so much of the time there's like a change in gait. With both characters, yeah. uh, that is immediate and that that's telling, and you see flashes of Prime and Alpha, and flashes of Alpha and Prime. But essentially, the same people, lah. Yeah, which is which is phenomenal. Uh, and just like at the end of the season, you start to question whether or not they're that different in the first place, mm-hmm. which is kind of a running theme <coughs> for me. all the characters involved, yeah. right? Uh, great, great episode. Great acting. Uh, art direction is amazing. Yeah. And on point, music I, is great yeah. as well. I think another standout character would be Viserys. Uh. Viserys uh, oh. Targaryen yeah <laughs> yeah he was great he plays like the sort of um, the espionage swami uh, sort of management the, the, the head like, middle management middle management the espionage agency that's in charge of handling um, basically diplomatic relations yeah. between these two alternate dimensions yeah like. um, and if you've listened to our previous podcast you, you probably already know the basic premise of this it's kind of um Basically, 30 years ago, the world was split into two. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's kept due to an experiment. Due to experiment. We don't know what it is. It's kept a secret. And basically, they're just dealing with trade, political, diplomatic, and espionage relations between our two worlds. Mm-hmm. Yeah, which diverge slightly, but have some very, very big uh, differences as well. Yeah. yeah. There's like, I mean, spoiler alert. Lah. Mm-hmm. There's things like a plague in one of them. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, where it wiped out a bunch of people, mm. you know, and therefore there's certain behaviors in that world that's very vastly different from our world, which didn't suffer from that. Yeah, yeah. technology uh, is slightly different. Or like little things where, like, you know, the smartphones, like the iPhones and stuff, have yeah. come out in that world. Yeah, and so in the other world, it's like they're using like transparent, like, blocks yeah. instead you know, of real world. Yeah, so which one's our world actually? Our world is it's probably prime, a, right? a prime, la. yeah. the one without the, the plate. 
Yeah, without yeah, the pig, yeah, yeah. yeah. There are some really, really cool twists with his wife as well, how it's wife. Yeah, man. Uh, that I didn't see coming. Same. Um, I didn't know who the who the mole was from the other world as well. Oh, the, the mole agenda. review was great. Yeah. The mole review was great. And then the agenda as well yeah. is fucking cool. Uh. Yeah. Yeah. And also the way that it's so grounded, like, it's not like they're planning an invasion or something. Right? No. Like, the attack was really very grounded. It was a shooting. It, it felt reminiscent of real-life mass shootings, you know, yeah. in an office building. Yeah. Like that. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. That was actually quite a intense uh, few minutes, lah. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. I mean, the whole thing is is similarly grounded, and yeah. I like the emphasis on spy craft. Yes. yes. Yeah. It's not just jumping out of planes and buildings and stuff. Not a Mission Impossible, lah. Not Mission Impossible or James Bond mm. or even J- Jason Bourne. Yeah. It's no. it's it's very grounded. The Americans. Spycraft. Yeah. The Americans. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Exactly. It's, it's the perfect very, way yeah. you described it. Perfectly that time. I feel like it's a lot closer to. Tinker Taylor Soldier Spy than yes. it is to Mission Impossible. Though I didn't really like that movie, but yes. Yeah. The old school spycraft, I love that. Yeah. Really, really good. Yeah. Um I highly recommend this though. Highly recommend this. I mean like all around, right? Even the supporting cast is amazing. Uh, uh I especially I mean JK Simmons aside, I love Baldwin. Baldwin, yeah. Uh, Nadia, right? Nadia. Nadia's yeah. character. I think that's really, really interesting because it provides us another look at where a character diverges and mm-hmm. even though she only meets her her not shadowed. Mirror double. Her, her, her double. Part, yeah, her the counterpart. Double. Part, yeah. Yeah. The, the name of the show. The name of the show, Devin. Everyone drink. Yeah. Uh, I feel like that's been a great thing. Uh, especially when she gets caught out by her counterpart's ex-lover. Yeah. You know, that was one of the scenes I was just like, oh man, that's quite, there's quite a bit going on there that you get to sit down and kind of unpack mm. amidst all these like, um, plot points that are kind of moving forward at a breakneck speed. Yep. Sometimes when you see stuff like, say for example, Crisis on Earth X or yeah. the Super Girl Flash stuff, you know, mm. stuff like that, lah, where you have to do battle with your counterpart from a parallel dimension, there isn't kind of an emotional weight there. No. As, especially uh, when you, there are moments where, for example, Nadia yeah. um, is tasked with murdering her counterpart. Yeah. And there is an emotional difficulty to that. Although she is an assassin, you are literally murdering yourself, lah, yeah. a version of yourself, up, to, up until like just a few years ago. Yeah. Um, there is a weight to that that I haven't felt honestly, right? Since Rick and Morty. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So. Oh, yeah. As in when he when he refers to the guy he buried. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Um. Uh, that's fantastic. I I rated this uh like a nine out of ten or ten out of ten very very highly Yeah. yeah. Mine's about nine point five. Yeah. It's a near perfect series. A near me perfect too. series. Yeah. Yeah. It's the exact same for me. I mean, I mean it's, it's J K Simmons carries it really well, mm-hmm. but he's also he also has the um, advantage of having a really strong supporting cast. Mm-hmm. He does, he yeah. does. But the script in and of itself is amazing. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, for well sure, written. the word choice and all of that, mm. very well, very well designed, very well, uh, very detailed. In terms yes, of the like, detail, the detailness. Yeah, detailness. you know, there, especially I think with a lot of scenes between Prime and Alpha. Yeah. Uh, Howard Prime and Howard Alpha, where you see that specific word choice that they use, right, where it the word means the same thing. Yeah. Uh, but at the same time, the nuance in terms of why they chose to use a particular word over another word, yeah. that kind of like, I can't think of anything off the top of my head, but they, I, I remember being caught up by a lot of those moments where they're talking about, are you me? Do you remember this in okay. our shared past? And how did that change you? Mm. Like, a lot of those things play out in a way that, uh, like, other shows that have clones or counterparts mm. have not. Uh, I think it's the most like elegant exploration of nature versus nature I've seen on the television. Yeah. Mm, yeah, yeah, for sure. Like I'm, I'm still very curious on how Howard Silk became Howard Silk. Mm-hmm. Like in both of them, yeah, you know? for sure. And uh, you, you gain sympathy for, 
I mean, you see the differences. Like one has a daughter, yeah. one has a miscarriage. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, and then like, wow, this is like, and how did how different their lives were, how how um how interesting uh, they interwoven both prime and um, mm. alpha by the end of it lah. Yeah. yeah. So it's it's like the small little ripples like, that yeah. became larger ripples as time yeah. passes lah. Um. There is a season two, right? There is a season two, definitely, and it ended on sort of a cliffhanger. A cliffhanger, yeah. Yeah, so there will definitely be a season two. J.K. Simmons is signed on. It will be around the middle of next year, around summer. Nice. Uh, so we have uh, a little bit to wait, lah. But um, since right. I'm, I'm probably guessing ninety nine point nine 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 percent of you have not seen this because Go it's such it. a hidden gem, yeah. and there hasn't been much buzz on it online no. either. Why? Yeah, why? Like, things like this and the terror, like, I really, really push very hard because yeah. I think those are two of the best genre shows I've seen this year. Mm. They, uh, they should be Emmy-nominated. Uh, yeah, the terror wasn't. Yes, no. uh, Counterpart isn't. J.K. Simmons at least, right? Yeah, at <laughs> yes, very least. Can we please? At very least. God damn it. Yeah, may- maybe it'll be like Tatia Maslani, like, in only season 4 he'll get nominated. Fuck Stupid Emmys. Okay, anyway. Yeah, uh, <laughs> let's, let's move on to a little Netflix show. Um, that Hadi and Aisa actually put me onto. It's a it's oh. a, it's a silly goofy comedy called Final Space. Yeah. <laughs> um, so it's adorable. an animated series revolving around a stupid astronaut named Gary who is uh, imprisoned and befriends a strange alien creature called Mooncake. Um, mm. The origins of the alien makes it very valuable to a number of let's say interested parties around the universe, which embroils them in an unintended intergalactic war that threatens the survival of Earth and mankind. Yep. Um, so I mean, since you guys turned me on to this, what, what do you guys think of the show? Okay, I it's on Netflix by the way. Yeah, it's on Netflix. Yeah. I had a lot of fun with this show. First of all, it's easy watch, easy easy watch, but it's not as smart lah, you know. And a lot of people actually have very differing opinions from mine where they actually find the main character fucking annoying. Yeah, it's super annoying. He is, he is though. But that's, written, but that's the point. He's written to be annoying. Exactly, you know. We, we who watch wrestling realise that like, yeah, that's who the, he is supposed yeah. to be. La. And, and I can enjoy him being yeah. a heel. I, I just feel certain emotional moments were not earned. Uh, certain points of the, the series where like as someone in, dies. Right. And like, mm, that, that as in they didn't, as in the series didn't earn earned it yet. You know, like, right. it was a bit too quick or sudden. Like, I hadn't really fully fell in love, fallen, fallen in love with that character yet. Yeah. But then they made it seem like as if it's such a big deal. Yeah. Yeah, even though it... Ooh, yeah, the it, amount of time that has passed. Yeah. Well, I think that's the fault of kind of like uh, the the plot, the storytelling device that they use, mm. right? Where they every episode, they kind of like, it's a minute, a minute has passed and all of this is in a flashback, yeah. right? It kind of condenses all this, all these episodes that we are watching into yeah. like, uh, it always reminds you, yeah. right? That this is a flashback and like uh, very much, a lot has passed, but you're only seeing a segment of it. Correct. You know, uh, but I do agree with you and I feel like there's something that's very intentional with that because the jokes function the same way. A lot of the jokes do not uh, work hard enough for the payoff yeah. that yeah. it that supposedly plays out, yeah. right? But to me, I'm just like, really? Like, okay, mm-hmm. you know, it does have its moments it does. where it's genuinely funny, like it a is. quip can turn the entire scene on its own, yeah. on its head. Uh, but there are many, many, many jokes that don't land, mm. and many of them are written that way, at least in my opinion. Mm. Yeah. So, so they're not supposed to land, you're saying? Yeah, they're not supposed to land. I mean, like, they just keep throwing things out at yeah, you, they, right? They, uh, they, very much like another animation on Netflix that we're going to talk about a bit later. Yeah. But I feel like for Final Space, this was a lot more intentional. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, And it served its purpose it did. overall. In terms of the humour, I agree with you with that. Yeah. yeah. I, I, I thought, like, the constant brunch of, like, Witless and 
honestly utterly unfunny jokes lah. Yeah. Um, it's really painful at first. At first. Uh, at first. Until like the emotional core of the series reveals itself to be a very good sci-fi show. Mm. Um, what it lets for in humor, it makes up with a really good adventure, good action, um, surprisingly potent drama. And yes. Kind of like, end, yeah. yeah, kind of like beautifully crafted character arcs, uh, which yes. is unusual. Uh. Mm. Um, I, you all, a lot of people have put forth the Futurama um, mm. reference. Like it is a dumber version of Futurama. Yeah, but it is a darker version of Futurama. It is da- daring to go to narrative places that uh, most of these shows would never ever go. Uh. Yeah, and and they go to these places in the fourth episode, in the sixth episode, mm-hmm. in the last episode, within mm-hmm. the first season. You know? Yeah. yeah. They've totally, um, utterly, literally destroyed the world. Uh. Mm, um, and I've never seen a show that's just willing to go to do those narrative places so quickly. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um, um, how would you guys rate this? I actually give it a seven and a half. La. Okay. Uh, I really enjoyed it. Easy watch. Uh, and I really like Mooncake. Oh, yeah. Alright. Um, I The relationship between Gary and with... Um, what's her name? Mooncake? No, the... the oh, the go. The bounty um, hunter girl. The bounty hunter. I we know who he is. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That was interesting, like how he developed like how he had like video logs, you know, for the five years yeah. that she never <laughs> Yeah. And how her future self had actually fallen in love with him. Mm. Legitimately. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, mm. the, you know? yeah. So that, that kind of thing. Uh overall I, l- I loved how the series went. Um I just didn't like spoiler alert, the death of like uh Ket- Keto Avocado. Yeah, yeah. Avocado, yeah. Yeah. You know, I felt that, no, that, that was, was Yeah, that Something was missing la, in that death. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm actually very curious as to why they did it because it felt really out of place. Like yeah. they didn't plan for that to yeah. happen. Right? Um, but, anyways, but uh, yeah, I, I definitely feel I mean, yeah. uh, it's, def- it's a seven, a seven and a half upon ten for me as well. Mm. Cool. I do feel that um, putting up with the first two episodes and just how unfunny some things are yeah. is worth it. Mm. But at the same time, you know, uh, it's something that you have to kind of like grunt through. Yeah. 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 It's a it's a 7 out of 10 for me. Mm. It's also about, about the same as you guys. Maybe slightly lower. Mm. Um, I need... I need, The first two episodes were really quite bad. La. So um, I push I push forward. If not for recommendations, I wouldn't have pushed forward. Because yeah. oh, yeah. it seems like a lot of people on my newsfeed were really into this. Yeah. 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 And it, it turned out to be like, I think worth it. Yeah. Yeah, I think a lot of the kind of the, I pushed it up quite a bit because the animation and production value is extremely high. Yeah, it was. Uh, just like the way that they treated the lighting and the way that the backgrounds are rendered and all of that. Or oh, uh, even how the physics in the world work. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it was very very impressive for an animation of its type like you don't get that with we didn't get that with Futurama okay. right uh, and there was a lot of thought and a lot of detail in the background while some very like unfunny things were happening in the foreground and sometimes I just find myself drifting to these details mm-hmm. so I bumped it up just a bit more just because the production value was great and mm-hmm. surprising at that for yeah. an animation of its kind I, yeah um, I, I guess just in the age of like modern adult animation um, when you have like stuff like um, Rick and Morty Rick and Morty Bojack Horseman The Venture Brothers and a bunch of other stuff Archer and all of that this this might be lower a lot lower on that list uh, oh, because yes, um, sure. the bar has been set so high by yeah. those, those aforementioned shows yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but at the same time if you want a quick something to watch over dinner something like you know after the end of the day you don't want to string your brain too hard this is the one this is the show for you uh. yeah. 
Uh, and now we're gonna jump into our new segment called Tie-In Issues. I really, really love that name. I know I came out of it and I'm, I'm patting awesome. myself on the back. No, but I, 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 I like really it. love that name. Yeah. Um, if you recall, uh, if we posted on our genre equality page a few months, not a few months ago, a few weeks ago, yeah. a month and a half ago maybe, um, I guessed it on the Last Game podcast, which is a fellow Singaporean podcast. Mm-hmm. They talk about pop culture, gaming, stuff like mm-hmm. that, um, along the same sensibilities as us. Yeah. Um, and I talked about my favorite TV shows of the year, and I talked about my favorite movies of the year. You can go to uh, Genre Equality on SoundCloud, on Google Play, or on iTunes, find it, uh, look for the ones where my face is in the thumbnail. You mean The Last Kings? The Last Kings? Yeah. Correct, yeah. yeah. Oh, uh, you said Genre Equality. Oh, sorry. Yeah, the last kings are Google Play and yeah. iTunes and SoundCloud and stuff like that. We're yeah. only on Mixcloud. Yeah, we're only on Mixcloud. <laughs> and, and, we'll and exclusive deal. Yeah. Exclusively. Uh, maybe we'll expand one day. Like, yeah. yeah. Uh, but I've returned the favors, so Shafiq is going to guest on our show this month, mm-hmm. uh, where we'll be talking about uh, the the recently completed Disney Fox deal, mm-hmm. whether it's a good or whether it's a bad thing. Mm-hmm. We'll also be talking a little bit about Toxic Fandom, where I rent a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm gonna turn it over to myself. Uh, take it away, Hitzer. And thanks for showing it to me, Hitzer. I'm Hitzer on location at uh, Shafiq's house from the Last King Podcast. Say hi. <laughs> Thank you for doing my shoutouts for me. Yeah. Yes, this is Shafiq of the legendary Last King Podcast, available on SoundCloud, iTunes, and now Google Podcasts. Google Podcasts. I Google Podcasts. I, sh- I should get on that, man. You should get on that. You know, it's actually pretty easy to get on Google Podcasts. All you need to do is ask. Really? Actually, literally, all I said was like, "Hey, here's my RSS feed. Can I be on Google Podcasts?" Oh, you're already on it. Well, we'll look out for that. <laughs> so please search Last King. <laughs> yeah, uh, you're available on Facebook and Twitter as well. We're on the Facebooks, we're on the Twitters, uh, all the social media needs mm-hmm. for all your social media one needs. Okay, needs <laughs> seeds. Uh, I don't know. Yes, uh, our unique brand of comedy is uh, perplexing. Nice. Uh, if you recall, a couple of well, actually, a month and a half ago, it's a little over a month ago, I actually guessed it on the last according podcast. To, according to this timeline, right? According according to this timeline, <laughs> we month- haven't retconned the podcast industry <laughs> in Singapore yet. So yes, <laughs> a month and a half ago, I was on the Last King for a couple of episodes. Thank you, we- thank you very much for uh, filling in a spot. <laughs> you you can find it on uh, the Last King SoundCloud as well. We talked about the best TV shows of the year yes, so yes. far, and please don't listen. To Takashi Six Nine, listen to the Last King podcast on SoundCloud. We're about to blow up, son. Yeah, <laughs> about to be presented by Squarespace and Blue Apron and stuff like that. Soon, we're yes, we're looking forward to when we get to sell out. Exactly. Uh, so as a return of the favor, um, I'm inviting Shafiq over to our podcast to talk about various issues surrounding genre. And thank you for inviting me back and having me host it again. Yeah, <laughs> in <Great>. my location. <laughs> thank, uh, you have a very tight budget. Huh? We, don't, we don't have a centralized location, and you live so near. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah, and like uh, for all you Last King fans out there, yes, I took uh, time off the space station to come back <laughs> to Singapore to Tampines in general. Are, are you breaking your own kayfabe now? You know, yeah, no, I'm gonna. Sh- it's a shoot. It's all the way. Yeah, I'm, shoot. I'm out of character just for just for genre equality. Definitely. Oh gosh. <laughs> um, as you recall from last month's podcast, we introduced a new segment called Tie-in Issues, where we discuss the issues surrounding our favorite genre properties. You guys in your segments, man. Like you're. Almost like a legit show now, huh? I'm looking forward to the day when you have like on the scene correspondence and stuff. Like oh, you have shit. like a John Oliver that you're sending to the far flung reaches of Hollywood covering the red carpet events. Hopefully one day. <laughs> Hopefully it's not just myself and then I'm That's coming. That's the dream, right? Yeah. You know what my dream is? Yeah. I wanna be that asshole on a press junket 
asking Tom Hardy the annoying questions. Right, yeah. <laughs> you know, like, he's, like, seriously trying to, like, do his thing and promote his movie. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, so where would you rate your best Tom Hardy performances? <laughs> <laughs> where would Bane be? <laughs> Uh, Locke is his best performance, in my opinion. You think? Yeah. Nah, Bronson, sir. Very good choice Bronson, as well. Bronson, you know. Just, the, just for the scene of him, like, leathering him up, himself up in butter <laughs> to fight all those prison guards, he's like, I can watch that all the... No, no, wait. I take that back. Just for the scene yeah. of him reacting to Pet Shop Boys, it's a sin. Ooh. <laughs> that that man has a... That man has a career, sir. Yes. And, and, and Venom might just destroy it. Uh... <laughs> Speaking of Venom, who is in the Marvel Universe, uh, we'll be talking about uh, the Disney's recent acquisition of Fox, which obviously has been in the works for several years, or well, a year now. Uh, Comcast tried to outbid them with $60 billion, which was a very smart move because it forced uh, Disney to up its bid to $65 billion, wasting yeah. 5 extra billion bucks. Wasting? No, sir. I mean, they had it in their pockets they're, already. They're, they're, they're rich We're AF. talking Disney dollars. They're rich AF. Uh, so oh, wait, it, can I curse on this show? Yeah, sure. Go, go for Fuck! it. Fuck! Fuck! <laughs> <laughs> Disney! Uh, and, and recently, finally, after the shareholders have approved it, uh, the Department of Justice has approved it. It's official now. Which is like, yeah, that's the one thing that kind of blew my mind when it's like the Department of Justice got involved. Because it's a monopoly, you see. So they exactly. Have to, they, have to, they have to see whether it violates trade regulations. It's the same thing with the AT&T Time Warner merger, which took 24 months. But with Disney, it took uh, two weeks. For it to be approved, so it's mind blowing how quickly they got that done. Well, you can pull five billion dollars out of your pocket, sir. That's true. I'm pretty sure you can write a different check. But but there's also the point to be made that AT and T and Time Warner set the precedent, which made this easier. I would say no. I would say actually the original antitrust issues was when Microsoft was the monopoly. That's true. No, I mean in the entertainment yeah, industry. like this has been. I mean like, I mean in the media distribution industry. Yeah. Because in a way, like, I'm. Okay, like, let's just set the president right now. Mm-hmm. I'm not totally for it. Sure. You know, despite what all the geeks and all the fans are clamoring, like, oh, we need to get X-Men back to, like, you know, uh, Marvel's hands. Yeah. Back home. And it's like, yeah, but we cannot have one entity with so much creative power and influence over so many IPs. Yeah. And also, like, I think one thing I really wanted to kind of discuss and have a conversation with you with uh, is basically, like, okay, uh, worst case scenario, like, if they have all of this in their grasp, Mm -hmm. and, like, you know, like, we're still kind of hoping, like, you know, ever since Disney bought Lucasfilm, like, and everybody was like, you know what? Finally, we can have the unedited trilogy back. Right. Where is it? Yeah, where is it? What's taking so long? Mm -hmm. And then, like, you also have to understand that Disney is, like, also kind of, uh, I know, uh, they're also a little bit stingy with their own releases. Mm -hmm. Like, they they, they schedule it and calendar it very wisely. I mean, not just that. Conservatively. I mean, let's talk about what the Empire is built on, which is all the princess stuff. Sure. It's like, we can't get a DVD of Snow White because it's back in the vault, right? Yes, and also because Disney will be launching the streaming service and that's probably where you're going to get it. And the thing is, right, if you have a streaming service and you have all these IPs, mm-hmm. it's like, okay, like, it kind of blows my mind to think now that, oh, Disney owns Futurama too? Yeah. It's like, okay. Oh, wait, they own the Alien franchise now too? Mm. Predator. They own Predator? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so, like, I mean, you all can understand why so, I'm taking this with a huge 
tablespoon full of salt here. It, it, it goes way beyond comic books, I guess, in, in my opinion. Um, if you look at the box office takings for 2018 so far, Disney and Fox account for 63% of the entire box office takings, which means that going to 2019, when the deal is official, they own 63% of the market share. Which is more than half, which is extremely dangerous, I which feel. Which is crazy. Uh, they own a controlling share in Hulu as well, uh, which is obviously part of Fox. Um, so there is a worry what's going to happen to Hulu, what's gonna, which will probably be appropriated into the streaming service. What's going to happen to studios like Fox Search like, or, or studios like FX? which is making groundbreaking t television. Uh, yeah, but with Disney Fox, um, there's going to be a lot of issues, specifically with their genre properties. Yeah. I, know there's a, I know there's a lot of a segment about uh, X-Men versus Avengers, Fantastic Four coming home, you know, there's a bunch of people sounding like England fans, you know, right now. It's Oy. coming home. Yeah, that's annoying. But on and the, look what happened in the World Cup. Look what happened in the World Cup, exactly. Nothing went home. <laughs> uh, so, what are the potential downsides to a deal like this, in your opinion? In my opinion? Yeah. Well, first, uh, okay, number one is, I don't like the idea, okay, I don't like the fact that one company has so much uh, controlling stake over a lot of IPs. Uh, why is that to, I mean, elaborate? I mean, to elaborate, it would basically be like, okay, we're only paying one person to see all these things. Bob Iger, yeah. Yeah, and in essence, that means they can charge whatever they want. Mm -hmm. Because like, okay, imagine this, we have the, the Disney streaming service. Mm -hmm. And like, okay, the obvious competitor would probably be Netflix. Netflix, sure. And Netflix is doing their darndest to try and keep themselves afloat by, like, you know, putting anything out. Yeah. Hashtag Cloverfield Project, Paradox. Paradox. <laughs> but they also put out Annihilation, so. But they also put out Annihilation, yeah. which did shit, huh? Yeah, it, shit, yeah. it ate shit, but it's such a good movie. Yeah. Okay, definitely one of my uh, top picks for the year. Hmm. But I would say this is like, if, I mean, like, if, if you have all the water, you can charge the people whatever you want for it. Yes. And they need the water. Exactly. You know what I mean? Yeah. And also another, another thing is like, then other people will have problems competing. 100%. Warner Brothers, Sony. Yeah. yeah. And then the, the thing is, right, if they're like, imagine this, like you have uh, like five, uh, wait, you got five cows giving you good milk. Okay. You bought another five cows. You have 10 cows. Yeah. Then that allows you to like, you know, profit more and you can now get 20 cows. Yeah. Eventually you, you own all the cows. Man. It's an amazing farming analogy there, but yes, that's There you true. go, yeah. yeah. I'm, I'm keeping it, you know, uh, kampong style here for a while. Right, no, yeah. But I'm, I'm, what I'm saying is this, this right. Um, like, this allows Disney to accrue more money, mm -hmm. and eventually there'll be like this gigantic uh, <laughs> gelatinous blob just swallowing everything up. And Almost uh, a country or a state within itself. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. yeah. And also at the same time, it's like... Um, one of the major problems I see with this, and like uh, probably is uh, the recent events with James Gunn, which uh, we discussed in the last episode as well. But I mean, I would like to get. I need to, I want to bring this up. Like, yeah. okay, what they did was bullshit. It was hundred percent bullshit. Yeah, <laughs> it's like nobody should lose their jobs mm -hmm. over, based over on a, a bad tweet. <laughs> A bad joke. I mean, as distasteful as it is, which I have to say, it was very distasteful. But it's just so. Overreactionary. The, the, the major issue with the with the James Gunn was was he this wasn't something that was unearthed. He already apologized for it. He had a conversation before Guardians of the Galaxy One with Glad, where he addressed how he has grown as a person. And this is something that happened like ten years ago, right? It wasn't something that he said recently. No. Somebody said to just dig this up and like make it a big deal. Yeah, and and the idea that a company like Disney can get played by an outright troll and their decision stands. Um, and to be clear, this wasn't Kevin Feige's decision. In fact, Marvel and Guardians of the Galaxy, the entire cast and crew, and Kevin Feige himself. Yeah, shout out to Batista for like you know yeah. coming up to defend this guy. Going for it, Batista is a guy who has um, 
shat on Vince McMahon while he was working for WWE. Uh, so I, mean, I know he has balls. Um, <laughs> I, I don't think he's the kind of guy you want to pick a fight with. <laughs> yeah, yeah pre- precisely. And, and shout out to the entire guys at Marvel who are actually backing James Gunn despite um, their corporate overlord saying no. Mm. Yeah, uh, but the problem is that the corporate overlords are the overlords and they have the final say and James Gunn is not coming back and with Disney owning 60% share of the entire industry I mean, James Gunn cannot make what he made in Disney elsewhere Yeah, exactly Yeah, and also, I mean, talking on the topic of jobs think about how many people are losing their Yeah, I think that's one of the things like, one of the things that annoy me the most is basically all the online fervor about how like all these franchises are finally coming home or like finally we can have a decent X-Men movie like okay that's far beyond the point like, like whenever we have mergers like this mm-hmm. and it's like you know when one company swallows another company they're not gonna hire all the guys at the studios we don't need your cameraman we don't need your lighting guys we, do, we don't need your editors we have our own people are gonna lose their jobs over this and there's like you know I mean I understand, like, if I want to be super cynical and take the business aspect of it all, mm-hmm. like, yeah, this is a very clever move. I can see how the empire gets larger. Mm-hmm. You can actually, you know, finally, the Disney castle can be made of stone instead of plastic. Sure, yeah. <laughs> you no, know, like, oh, it's a real castle now. <laughs> that is true, but I mean, when we are busy getting excited or throwing shade or whatever, like, we're always fighting online about fucking make-believe pretend shit. <laughs> But there are real world Iron Man isn't real <laughs> But there are like Real world consequences To moves like this like, yeah, Thousands of people Are going to be losing Their jobs Their livelihoods um, And as Disney Continues to grow Because I don't think This is going to be Their last acquisition No no definitely not Yeah they're only Going to be swallowing up More jobs like, I, mean, like, you think of, I mean like We have like This is a company That makes Like a billion dollars Per movie Right yeah Which is like you know, Crazy, right? as much as I like you know, give props to where props is due. It's like yeah, you're 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 doing your thing, mm-hmm. but also at the same time, like oh wow, I mean like I mean you can just look to Google and like remember their original motto: let's not be evil, right? And look at them now. Hey, mm. uh, you live long enough to see yourself become the villain, I guess. Ooh, Batman reference. Batman reference. Uh, uh yeah, but I mean, I, I guess from a business standpoint, I can't really. You can't fault them because I know shareholders, yeah. I know executives, I know the president somewhere, you know, like, yeah, I need another yacht. Sure. I yeah. get it. Sure. Yeah. I mean, like capitalism, go ahead, you know, earn that money. The entire point of a business is to make money. La. Exactly. So to accuse them of being, of uh, trying to make too much money is a bit silly. Yeah. Uh, but yeah. Do, do you think it would have been better if, uh, say, Fox went to Comcast or something else? I don't know because like, for me, it's uh, ends justify the means. If somehow we do get better X-Men movies, then okay, I kind of win. But also at the same time, you know, I can't help but be a little bit more... uh, I mean, I'm going to be very cynical about this, but... Mm. Okay, I'm going to just say this, right? Um, Let's just say in the context of Marvel movies, they haven't improved. Infinity War is the one gem, sorry, pun intended, (laughs) amongst like... All these very by the book, uh, you know, paint by numbers, uh, hero movies, mm-hmm. and it's like now we're entering this uh, kind of weird dimension where, like, oh, if directors can get fired over a tweet, mm. or if Edgar Wright isn't allowed to make his Ant Man movie because it's a bit off brand, mm. you know what I mean? Like, Disney's the kind of company that obviously wants some sort of, uh, I wouldn't say creative control, but it's like a creative stranglehold. Yeah, um, specifically with the way MCU is run Marvel. Uh, it's, Not just uh, that, even Star Wars. So Yeah, but Star Wars is more Kathleen Kennedy, uh, who has been making outrightly bad 
decisions uh, with her particular franchise. True some, that, but then Rogue can, One happened too. Rogue One happened too. Yeah, but that's Kathleen Kennedy as well. I love Rogue One. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, but Kathleen Kennedy has been outrightly antagonistic towards both its fan base and its yeah. corporate anti- uh, overlord. So I think that's with Star Wars in particular. I think it's, it's kind of like, weird because since the era of Steve Jobs, I don't think executives should ever meet the fans. Right. Yeah. We should never. You know, you don't give them Twitters. <laughs> exactly. Let them make business decisions. And the thing is, like, if fans are angry, let them shout it out into the ether. Sure. And hopefully, somebody listens. Because, like, I can understand a person like Kathleen Kennedy. Yeah. Because it's like there's nothing more uh, toxic than geek culture when it comes Dude. to, like, being very angry for very silly reasons. Uh, yeah. Like <laughs> this pretend make believe shit about space knights. You know. You're like, yeah, it's yeah. a movie. You yeah. don't need to like You'd be sending death threats or. Why are you sending death threats to poor people who are just paid to play a role that, you know, they may or may not be as passionate about as you are? Exactly, yeah. But also at the same time, like, uh, Harrison Ford doesn't care about Han Solo. Not at <laughs> all. I mean, at least at this point in his career, for sure. Uh, he didn't care about it then. He wanted to get killed off in the second movie, remember? That, that is true. You know, that is true, yeah. He, yeah, yeah. he had ambitions of being an actor, sir. <laughs> yes. And, like, it eventually uh, arrived for him, like, in the 90s. Like, thank God for Patriot Games and Clear and right, Present Danger. Right, yeah. And The Fugitive. I, I would say yeah. The Fugitive is what, you know, started all of this. Yeah, okay, I'm sorry. I'm tangenting again. Yeah. Uh, but, like, okay, here's what I, I really want to address is the fact that, okay, Disney is the kind of company that will bend to the will of the trolls. Uh, as is, a publicly traded company, uh, it's in their best interest, I guess. It is in their best interest. And the thing is, now we're in, like... I don't like the fact that movies nowadays are kind of uh, conceived and sculpted by a fan base. Sure. Or, you know what I mean? like, or the, on the total opposite side by people in a corporate boardroom. Like. Or even by people in a corporate boardroom. Because it I, seems I'm, like the author has lost his voice. Though. Exactly. Mm. I mean, like, we have so few left. I mean, we okay, maybe Nolan's still around, mm. Tarantino's still around, and yeah. maybe uh, Villeneuve, maybe... Yeah, guys like that, lah, who are predominantly on the indie independent circuit at the moment. And then we have all these, like, you know, jobber-type working-for-rate directors. Mm-hmm. And, like, okay, like, I mean... I don't know, I'm just still pretty much upset about... Like, I, I never got to see Edgar Wright's version of a Marvel movie. Correct, yeah. Um, and there are other things as well, like, specifically with superheroes, I guess, is uh, stuff on FX. Like, for example, um, Donald Glover's uh, Deadpool TV series was pulled because of Marvel. Uh, because, I guess, the particular jokes or the particular tone that he wanted to strike was not family-friendly enough for Disney. Uh, I think because it's also like American culture because they don't I mean like unlike some places like in the UK where they have like a watershed hour where like mm-hmm. okay after 10pm you know right right tits on screen no, right. but, like, but FX is known for pushing the edge with that a lot of FX programming they're a cable like station right they're not really network TV are no they? no they're, they're, they're cable for sure but FX is owned by Fox you see mm. uh, and with the Disney deal looming FX was high on the Deadpool deal they wanted Donald Glover's Deadpool show they yeah. were super happy with it, uh, and Donald Glover was happy with it, but it was pulled because Marvel, or specifically Disney, wasn't happy with how unfriendly, family-friendly it was. La. So the issue, I guess, is... Which is, okay, another thing I want to bring up is, like, Disney doesn't know what they have in their hands, because it's like, for them to not realise that, no, no, that's what Deadpool's about. That's what makes it special, you see. Yeah. yeah that's, what, that's what makes Deadpool Deadpool. Yeah. I mean, it's like, um, I don't know, there's a sense of, like... They want to homogenize their storytelling. Uh, so to speak. I mean, which is very apparent in all the Marvel films especially mm. so I mean uh, you can say what you want about the Fox movies la, but the, the willingness to take risks is what can give disasters like Fantastic Four or it can give rise to greatness like Logan mm. 
Oh, or, the first Deadpool or the first movie. Deadpool movie, exactly. And if you don't, if you're not willing to take risks like that, which I think Disney is not, then you can never uh, get that big home run, which is something dramatically compelling. Like I think that's basically what would drive this conversation is the fact that Disney is not the kind of place that you would think of as a, a home for creativity anymore. It's more. It's, it's definitely a for-profit business. Like it's called the movie industry for a reason. Mm, industry, but yeah. It's an industry. Yeah, the people want to get paid. People want to get paid more. Mm. Okay, like I get it. Yeah, mm. but also at the same time, it's. Um, I cannot imagine a movie like Logan ever happening or under, under Disney under yeah. Disney 100%. at all because yeah. or like, Deadpool, yeah. Because the thing is, like, okay, Disney immediately will be more like, okay, it has to be PG thirteen. We want a widest fuck release. Mm-hmm. You know, we we can't limit like you know the the, the ticket sales. How are you gonna make a Deadpool movie that is PG thirteen? It's not you possible. You can't. Yeah. You know what I mean? But also at the same time, it's like they will try, mm-hmm. and then what's gonna happen is we're gonna get substandard movies. Mm-hmm. We're gonna get substandard stories, or we're gonna get characters that totally miss the point. Mm-hmm. And like, I mean. Again, I mean, I don't want to harp on too much about just the comic book franchises. Sure. Because it's like, okay, that's only a small part that everybody seems to be kind of blowing up. Yeah. Because it's like, yeah, most of the, the reactions on the internet is like, basically, everybody's happy for this, mm-hmm. but they don't know why. They're happy because they want the big crossovers, like they want the big superheroes back in the MCU. I would love to see Avengers versus X-Men. Or Fantastic Four, a real good Fantastic Four movie. But like... I mean, like you yourself have frequently argued that the best Fantastic Four movie has come from actually Disney uh, with The Incredibles. <laughs> Incredibles is, yep, still the best Fantastic Four movie. Yeah. <laughs> Back. Oh, Incredibles 2? Not so much. Uh, I mean, I, I enjoy Incredibles 2, though, but I guess... Uh, it's not that good, sir. Uh, yeah, uh, a bunch of my well, my podcast co-hosts disagree with me. Like, I feel like Incredibles 1 is superior. Uh, one of them feels like Incredibles 2 is superior. What? Uh, and I don't disagree that Incredibles 2 is good. I just don't feel it's as good. Uh, but I guess that's beside the point. Yeah, I know. It's like yeah. comparing House Party 1 to House Party 2. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. Now that's a throwback. Man. You remember Kid and Play? Oh god! <laughs> I guess I, I, before we kind of wrap up this uh, Disney Fox conversation, like you, you were talking a bit about like toxic fandom, especially with uh, Star Wars and everything else. Mm. I just want—I guess I kind of just want to take a minute to tell, like everyone to just really chill out. Uh, yeah. we, this this is some make believe pretend bullshit, like Do not be sending people uh, death threats or insulting them on the basis of race, gender, or sexuality on social media because it has nothing to do with their work. I mean, like I think artists in particular have thick skin when it comes to criticism. I mean, are we talking about what's that poor Asian actress who was like, Kelly Marie Tran? She quit like social media because of all these assholes, right? Uh, specifically, is the alt right trolls who were criticizing her because of her race, not because of her work. Uh, she was okay. She was very okay with people disliking her character, how it was written, how her performance was. So which is here's fine. a very blanket statement. Yeah, those fuckers aren't Star Wars fans. I I do agree. All sci-fi fans like, in general. Yeah. You know, you're not a Star Wars fan because the thing is, like, I'm a Star Wars fan. Hmm. I forgive the Phantom Menace. I'm fine with it. <laughs> there, there you go. <laughs> I accept it. You know what? Those Ewoks movies, mm. sure. <laughs> Caravan of Courage was amazing. I remember when I was back a in kid. I remember back in the day, right? Like my my dad was telling me about how like Michael Keaton got death threats when he was casted as a uh, Batman. Yeah, he was. Uh, or because the, everybody was like saying Mr. Mom yeah. as Batman. No. Or the insane internet message board reaction to Heath Ledger's casting as the Joker uh, was similarly like that lah. But the main difference between back then and now is that. Uh, the trolls are the the most hateful contingent or the most virulent contingent, which is a small minority of the fandom, by the way. But they get blown up to unnecessary proportions, yeah. And also, they have direct access to their targets at the moment because imagine waking up day after day to thousands upon thousands or thousands of 
add messages talking mm. about your sexuality, how you look, that your race isn't. I don't have enough time in the day to mute everybody. That that that, that is. But true. I would love the attention. Yeah. <laughs> Please. I mean, at Last King Podcast on Twitter, <laughs> send me all the hate, all the racism. As long as you click. <laughs> Please. Yeah. Uh, I mean, James Gunn is uh, the, a recent victim of, I guess, Twitter trolling as well, uh, from the alt right. I guess. So. Um, the recent casting of Ruby Rose as Batwoman. I don't get me wrong. I do not like that casting. I think Ruby Rose is a bad actress. But the reaction that she you know what I would prefer Ruby Rose as Batwoman to Gal Gadot as Wonder Woman. Mm, I was oh wait, Batgirl, or Batwoman, uh, Batwoman, Batwoman on the CW. Yeah. Well, anyways, the the rea- will there be lesbians? <laughs> no, she she's playing Kate Kane, who is a particularly uh-huh. lesbian character, lah. Oh, uh, oh wait, that's the lesbian Batwoman? Oh, yeah, that's the I'm lesbian. sorry, here's my Batman fan card, sir. Uh, mm. I can't remember which one was the, the, the sexy uh, would go down on Catwoman one. Uh, <laughs> uh, that was the previous one. Uh, Kate Kane is the latest. Am I thinking of Huntress? I think you're thinking of Huntress. Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, the latest incarnation of Batwoman is, is uh, as written by Gil Simone. Um, Famously lesbian lah. Um, Famously lesbian. Uh, oh yeah. That, that, that's pretty much uh, the media. I guess. I can. I can imagine the comic panel of like uh, Starfire leaving the room with a giggle. <laughs> oh boy. Um, yes. Because when you go down on Starfire, you go down in flames, sir. <laughs> <laughs> so um, specifically Ruby Rose, I was expecting the backlash for her to be from the alt right. Uh, because you know lesbians and stuff, but it turns out mm. the backlash was from the LGBT community because apparently some lesbians think that she's not lesbian enough because she identifies as bisexual, and quote unquote hasn't done enough for the cause to to take such a prominent lesbian role. So here's another, which uh, I think is bullshit. Uh, here's another blanket statement. Yeah. All those lesbians aren't bad women or bad girl fans. So I, shut up. <laughs> no, they're 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 interested in their cause, lah. Which I mean, which is nothing to do with the character or the creativity or yeah. like what the story is all about. And, because and, it's like. Uh, is Batwoman good because she's a lesbian or because she kicks ass and fights crime? Uh, I suppose to some Batwoman fans like me in particular for Kate Kane, like, it, mm. it's a bit of both like, because really? she represents an underrepresented uh, portion that would like to see versions of themselves kicking ass. Like. And, and I, I don't want to like take that away from them but at the same time that's not all that defines her. How did you react to Northstar? Um, the first openly gay superhero. Uh, I thought it was way a, back in the nineties. I thought it was like a good move. It was just poorly written, especially because in the nineties, the everything was poorly written in the nineties. Yeah. Unless you're Alan Moore or Grant Morrison. Yeah, they, <laughs> I popular opinion. I actually did not. I don't like stuff like Spawn and like Frank Miller stuff in the eighties. You I, didn't like the McFarlane stuff. I, I really don't like McFarlane stuff. I think he's an incredible artist. No, like here's the thing. Like McFarlane to me is the. Quintessential '90s guy? Not the no 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 no. Not he's not the quintessential '90s guy. The quintessential '90s guy is the guy who created Deadpool. Rob Liefeld. Exactly. Yeah. Rob Liefeld with the pouches, yo, pouches, and the yeah. leather jacket. Yeah. And he can't draw feet. Yeah. <laughs> All those jokes which appeared in Deadpool too. Well yeah. done, well writer. Done. Yeah. Very specific jokes. I love. Um, but like, yeah. there you go. Like Spawn is basically here's a character that was designed by the fans. Like, mm-hmm. okay, hey, hey fans, what do you want? You want this? You want mm-hmm. that? Okay, here we go. Yeah. And it is like, oh, hey, it's a. Uh, yeah, fans are not that imaginative. Huh? We need imaginative pe- people to come up with things. Yeah, you which, know which I mean? actually kind of goes back to um, the Disney point and to this current like toxic fandom point as well. Uh, because, I mean, you mentioned Starfire. Um, the Titans shadow was terrible, by the way. But the what? The Titans for the DC streaming service, the new TV show based on Teen Titans. I, know, I, just, the, want you, the, I just want you to really articulate that because oh. like... It, it's terrible. Uh, I, I didn't like it. The fuck Batman line was too try hard. It was, it was very 90s. But the reaction to the casting of Starfire was quite 
terrible. Uh, the fact that people are saying that she's not black enough or she's the wrong shade of black. But she's orange most of the time. It makes no sense. <laughs> it, it makes no sense. Starfire isn't a black girl. She's she's an alien from space. Toxic fandom is just ridiculous. Do you, do you hear about what happened with uh, Voltron the Legendary Defender last year? No, what happened? Voltron, I mean... Not if, Asian enough. <laughs> no, this is even worse. Uh, if you didn't... Not lion enough? <laughs> If you don't know, Voltron has a series on Netflix right now, which is really good, and you should check it out. Yeah, uh, Mr. Toffee of The Last King Podcast as well keeps telling me to watch it, and like, I will. I mean, I've seen season one, I liked it a lot. It's really good. It gets a lot better. But I'm a bit of a purist, because I'm more King of Beasts Go Lion. Oh, there you go. I'm one of those guys, because hey, if you watch the original Voltron, mm-hmm. very violent, and a couple of boobies here and there. Yes, exactly. Uh, the, it's fairly adult, the, the new one as well. Though. But I, I, the point that I wanted to drive home was last year, uh, a particular fan went on a studio tour uh, of the studio studio mirror, you know. He, really? To see people draw Voltron? <laughs> there, there was there was apparently a uh, gathering of super fans. They brought them on the tour. Oh, that's nice of them. This one particular fan took photos of uh, storyboards and unreleased uh, drawings and storylines and stuff like that. Who for, let him in? For the next two seasons. And posted it on Tumblr. And then threatened that if he didn't get a storyline that he wanted on air, he would post more spoilers of storyboards. And that's the kind of toxic fandom I'm talking about. That's fucked up. Yeah. You're playing you're playing with this entire studio's livelihood. <laughs> no, not just that. Because, like, somebody actually had to go spend the time to create and write the story. Mm-hmm. And then, like, you know, to chop it down to, like, its essential bits and mm-hmm. to, like, to really sculpt something that is mm-hmm. uh, true not only to his vision but also to fit within the format. Mm. And then you do this. And then, like, okay, now we need to rewrite everything because this asshole. And this guy's gripe was specifically over a ship. He wanted one character to be in a relationship with another character. That was his entire... Fuck the shippers. That was his Fuck entire... Fuck those guys. <laughs> oh, stop. That was... Yeah, it's, it, it's, it's fucked up, man. All you guys. Uh, there... DeviantArt was invented for a reason. <laughs> right, right. Go get your rocks off there. Go write your fanfic. Go, yes. go, go draw your weird erotica or whatever. Yeah, go for it, you know? I mean, like, I do enjoy fan service sure. to an extent. Once in a while. Once in a while. If I want sure. fan service, I go to fan fiction. I read fan fiction. I read fan fiction too. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, oh <laughs> With <man>. one hand. <laughs> you only need one hand to scroll. Anyway. Uh, <laughs> but it's like, oh yes, Harry Potter, what? With Dumbledore? Oh, in the nose? He has no nose. Oh, anyway. The <laughs> nose. Oh, Jesus. The nose nose. Uh, okay, I, okay, let's, let's uh, reel it all back in. So, yeah. I mean, okay, my general consensus when it comes to Disney buying over Fox and all these problems that are bubbling up that is very hard for us to contain within the segment. Yeah. Unfortunately. Yeah. We should do a second part. Where I uh, come back and be a little bit more articulate, a little well, bit. All right, no, I'm, but you know, uh, or you can listen to the Last King podcast where I'll just do this as an entire episode. We'll, 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 <laughs> we'll definitely do that, and and this is probably a topic that we'll touch upon more as Disney continues to flex its muscle and the first yeah, Fox properties go as over. As of this recording, yeah, the ink is is it dry yet? The ink is dry. The shareholders have agreed. It's uh, so the so you know, okay. Um, set in stone. We're, yeah. it's gonna happen. The Here Wall Street Journal actually recently reported. Uh, sus- uh, basically, the Fox lot, a lot of comp- a lot of employees are moving out, stuff like that. Like. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So it, it is it the it is a sea change in the movie industry, and we're gonna talk about it more as it goes along, like, because there will be more issues propping up. Uh, I that probably wraps it up for the segment. We'll talk more in future installments. From uh, I may show up on uh, the Last King. Or of course, you'll show up on the Last King. Or the Last King may show up here once again. Of course, we'll show up on Genre Equality. Still, uh, probably the best podcast name I've ever heard. Thank you. Thank you. Um, did you cover it all by yourself? I did actually. Oh really? That was, that was my idea. I built this whole podcast based on that one name. <laughs> uh, now I'm throwing it back to myself. Uh, we'll catch you guys next time. And thanks, Zir, for that uh, wonderful discussion of traffic. <laughs>
throwing it back to myself as always. <laughs> um, yeah, so that was our tie-in issue for the month. We were talking about the Disney Fox deal. Obviously, it was a very contentious issue. And of course, Toxic Fandom, which we kind of talk about nearly every month. Like, it's only yeah. presence in... Uh, I mean, this... every month is some some Toxic Fandom from like either Star Wars fans or from this uh, from Marvel fans. Or in this case, like, Ruby Rose and Ruby stuff Rose, like that. Yeah. Ruby Trend. So, yeah. so much uh, rubbish out there. Uh, but anyways, uh, we'll be moving on to, I guess, better things. Uh, kind of Kind of um, Myself and Isa have not caught the third season of Preacher Yeah, uh, We left off on the second season of Preacher Which I thought was a mixed bag A lot yeah. of good stuff A lot of bad stuff as well mm-hmm. Although Hardy has kept up with it mm-hmm. How is uh, the third season of Preacher going right now? It's a mixed bag also It's a mixed bag It recently uh, ended right on HBO? Yes, yes. Just, no, no, AMC AMC, I'm sorry Yeah, yeah. Uh, Well, the finale was Okay, you know how like The uh, Cloak and Dagger had a very shitty finale? Yeah. Yeah, this had a really good finale. Ooh. Yeah. So, um, what happened was, not what happened, what happened throughout this season was uh, Jesse going back to, you know. The uh, Le- Langels. Yeah. And going through that whole family history thing, and mm. that was quite fun to see. Like, One was, of my favourite arts in the comics. Exactly. Right? And it kind of kept true to the comics to an extent. Mm. Uh, maybe like 60% of the comic stuff was still there. Mm. Um, obviously, they had to change some, some things. Uh, Her star. Mm. Was back and uh, uh, usual. I I really like that character. Mm. Um, but what was most enjoyable for me was uh, Hitler's Hitler and um, S face storyline. Right. Yeah. R face. R face. Sorry. Yeah. R face. Yeah. Correct. Correct. Um, and their whole entire arc lah. Mm. Um, them escape, escaping from hell and all that stuff. You know, hiding. Uh, um, Hiding among the people. Mm. Um, Hitler calling the neo Nazis to help him out. Yeah. You know that sort of thing lah. Um, and Hitler finally, you know, spoiler alert, uh, becoming the ruler of hell. Uh. Mm. What happened to the original devil? Uh, I can't remember now. Did he retire? Like in the comics? Yeah, something like that. Mm. Yeah, he basically did. Uh. Okay, okay. But um, what was the problem was, I think the main character... Um, Jesse Custer has Custer. always been the weakest part of Preacher. Again. The Preacher? Tu- yeah, the Preacher. Because yeah. Tulip is great. Right. Cassidy is, you know, a frequent highlight whenever he does get a spotlight. Yeah, Cassidy's uh, storyline, you know, with the the whole um, um, Order of the Blood thing. Mm. can't remember what they call it so now. They, they, you know, that, that whole storyline, his whole journey into, uh, you know, trying to save Tulip and all that stuff. Yeah. Was great. Yeah. Him trying to find himself was great too. Um, yeah, but the main character kind of just... Dominic um, Cooper. Cooper, yeah. Yeah, I still think that he is the weak link la, in this cast lah. Yeah, I I just think also that sometimes he just has trouble speaking because of his uh I mean he's British lah. He's UK. Um so his accent is very thick and his American accent or Southern accent is Southern accent. It's a bit suspect. Yeah. It's it's strange because if you you know like a show like True Blood. Sure. And you know like Bill and how Bill he's also I think British, right? The actor? Yeah. Or look at Idris Elba in the wire. You know that kind of thing? Or McCarthy in yeah. in the wire. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know? Yeah. Uh, so he's not at that caliber of like actor. UK actor, sure. Yeah, sure. but apart from that, I'm still looking forward to season four la, to see mm. where it goes from here la. Mm. You know how uh, Jesse actually finally find uh, gets back his powers. Mm. I mean, he got back his powers uh, at the end of the season. Mm. Um, I like the idea of incorporating. You know, from season two to three, they continue the storyline about selling of soul fragments and all that stuff la. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I, that 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 kind of world building, I'm still. Enjoying it, intrigued. Like. It, yeah. yeah. So there, there's uh, there's no return of a uh, Sinokilis this season. There is. Okay. Uh, he 
last scene in season 2 was in hell yeah um he found out that god actually was the one that uh mm. um got ordered that his daughter be uh, ripped apart lah mm. yeah and all that so he went he's on a whole other trail he's, he has a like side story there wasn't much of him this season okay yeah but I'm hoping that they give him more of a spotlight next season lah okay yeah and his ventral path lah to mm-hmm. killing god I guess mm-hmm. yeah Tulip had a really cool storyline you know her being dead uh, then her being resurrected and being mm-hmm. linked to um, Angeline the I can't remember her name also Mm-hmm. The uh, the grandmother lah, mm-hmm. you know, and how when she was trying to kill the the grandmother, then she also died at the same time because they are linked and all that stuff. Right. And Custer, um, Jesse finally, you know, um, removing that link lah. Sure. Yeah, that kind of thing. So Tulip storyline, quite intriguing. Mm-hmm. I, I I'm quite excited to see like, what happens next season. But overall, it's a very mixed bag lah. How would you rate it? Six and a half out of ten. Ooh. Yeah. Like I'm final space, you know, like it's it's fun at times, but it can get draggy. Yeah, yeah. I I'm personally just gonna take my time, catch up. Mm. I I will I will be jumping back in in season four whenever we do review it for yeah. genre equality. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I'm just gonna take my time with it. And for now, I'm gonna jump into a segment that I call Quick Hits, where I talk about the various titles that I've seen that my other two full time working uh co-hosts didn't have time to watch. <laughs> Or maybe uh, watch here and there. Watch here and there, la. And also because like, big part of my job, especially as the film and TV editor of Portway, is just running through a ton of stuff. Yeah. Some of it is garbage. Some of it is good. I'm By gonna, your job, man. It's my job. I'm gonna let you know what is worth watching and what is not. Yeah. Um. The first thing I'm gonna be talking about is a little show called Marvel Rising Initiation. Mm. This new animated web series kicks off Marvel's more kid-friendly banner at Marvel HQ. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it does so in a very um, spectacular fashion. Okay. Um, this is kind of a prequel, sort of um, a prologue, so to speak, uh, oh. leading up to a movie called Secret Warriors, which will be out later this year. A 19-minute movie. Okay. Uh, so this is a little six-episode uh, primer. And each episode is only about two, three minutes. Okay. So it's a very quick binge. Uh, yeah, so as I mentioned, it's um, serving as a prequel to the Secret Warriors movie. It follows um, Spider-Gwen, who's on Aww. on the run for a, for a crime she didn't commit. Uh, I love uh, and she's been chased by her father, like, uh, Captain Stacy. Captain um, on her tail are heroes like uh, Ms. Marvel, uh, Kamala Khan, for those of you who don't know. Yeah. Not Captain Marvel, Kamala Khan. Marvel uh, Girl. Yeah. Um, Patriot. Quick, who is voiced by Chloe Bennett Chloe Bennett? Well. Oh, yeah. nice. And uh, Squirrel Girl, who's also voiced by Milana Vintroop, who will play her we'll play in the live action series action, coming yeah. soon. Very nice. Um, so, with only six four-minute episodes, this is a very fun, cute, breezy adaptation of a popular Earth 65 storyline, I think, mm. um, featuring Marvel's next generation of heroes. Um, I think this is easily the most delightful and fun quick hits uh, segment that I have on this particular month. So this is a nice, highly recommended 8 out of 10. Okay. You can get through this within 20 minutes. Then I'll do it after this. Huh? It has a bunch of cool characters. The mm. animation is great. So I'm really, really looking forward to Secret Warriors coming out later this year, which we will definitely review. I mean, yeah, I mean, it's interesting because these comic characters, these are the fan-favorite comic characters. Like. At least yeah. for the for the young for this, adult. Yeah, or I mean, the children. Yeah, for, from uh, Marvel Girl to Squirrel Girl to uh, Spider-Gwen, Spider-Gwen, Quake and Quake. stuff like that. Yeah. Um, so this is very targeted towards, um, I'm guessing, age groups of between 5 to 14. Yeah. And very, very heavily skewed towards female viewers, which is yeah. quite rare, I guess. Which is good, Considering the majority of the cast is female-centric. I don't mind. 
Yeah. Uh, the next thing I'll be talking about is a young adult movie called The Duckers Minds that ah. came out to cinemas uh, just a few weeks ago. It's still playing right now if you do want to catch it. How is it? Um, the Duckers Minds does little to differentiate itself from a crowded few of dystopian YA adaptations. Oh, no. You know what I mean? Um, you can practically take off every overused trope in this formulaic hodgepodge of secondhand plot points. Mm-hmm. Um, if you want the Maze Runner meets Brett Ratner's X-Men, Brett Ratner's X-Men uh, meets the Maze Runner, this is for you. Okay. If, that, if that's your thing If your IQ is above double digits I suggest re-watching The Hunger Games instead So this is a 3 of 10 Wow yeah. You guys not watching this? No What else? Uh, next up is A prequel to the Perch franchise Called The First Perch Ah okay <sighs> I got some thoughts on this Go ahead Oh you, you've seen it as well? I've seen something uh, Well yes I have Okay You've seen something <laughs> <laughs> No, it's how I saw it. That, that's not bold, well. Actually, oh. the title of Journey Quality Night, we've seen <laughs> something. Something. <laughs> Tune in to listen to us talk about it. Yeah, uh, yeah as its title implies, this uh, refers to the first ever perch and takes us back to the beginning of the perch tradition mm-hmm. and the politics behind the institution. Yeah. Um, director Gerard McMurray, I think, does a commendable job in trying to revitalize this one trick series. Mm-hmm. And this is indeed, I think, the best or one of the best entries in this franchise. Wow, okay. It's yep. uh, tense, it's gory, it's bloody, and as a special bonus, it does the handmade steel trick where it makes you feel like the terror presence in the cinema or what you're watching isn't too far off. Yes. Uh, unfortunately, it's a textual reach exceeds its grasp yeah. and the film falters when it tries to bring social commentary into the mix mm-hmm. as sharp as the social commentary is because the writing is simply not smart enough. It is not. To me, it's a 5 out of 10. Um, Same. I agree with you. Yeah. Uh, the only thing I wanted to say was that... Uh, yeah, what you said. It's surprisingly... Like, you feel like... Whereas you're watching it, like... Yeah, this can happen. Mm. Yeah. We're not too far off this thing, you know? Yeah. Um, and also that... Uh, how uh, organised the purges were. Mm. <laughs> Even though, like, this is a first purge. Yeah. How a lot more organised they were in the first purge... Rather than the... The later, later purges. purges. Yeah. So that was the only, like, incongruency I saw, lah. I guess. You know, like, well, they all have their groups and they all have... Yeah, but it was a fun little... I didn't... Um, I, okay, honestly, I didn't watch it in the movies. La. Okay. Yeah, I caught it somewhere else. But anyway, uh, yes, and I was, I, was, I was surprisingly impressed by it. Mm. Yeah, because I watched, I watched all the Purge movies. All the Purge movies, yeah. I think and this is the best This is the best Purge movie. Uh, but that being said, the best of the Purge movies is 5 out of 10. 5 out of 10. Yeah, me. yeah. Same, same, same. Yeah, so uh, the Purge franchise isn't something that is... Uh, Something known for quality? Yeah. Mm. There is a Perch TV series coming soon, so... Uh, Which I'm quite interested to watch, actually. I'll, I'll definitely be doing it for quick hits if you guys are going to be watching, you're free to jump in. Yeah. Uh, but I don't have high hopes, but... Neither you know, do I. We'll see how it goes, lah. Uh, the next time I'll be talking about a movie called The Meg, which I sadly watched without you guys. Yeah, what the hell? <laughs> that was supposed to be something we all watched. You guys have such busy lives. I know, that's true, but let tell us how I, I go watch it, like, fucking... Did Jason Statham punch The Meg? No, he did not punch oh, me. Um, for a movie about Jason Statham fighting a prehistoric giant shark, right? Mm-hmm. The Mac really isn't as fun as it should be. Um, when making a man with a shark movie, you can either go in two very polar opposite spectrums. You can do it either Jaws mm-hmm. or you can do it either Sharknado. Yeah. Yeah. So now, um, Jaws, right, is isn't just the greatest shark movie I've ever made. It's a horror movie. It's one of the greatest horror movies I've ever made, and mm-hmm. arguably one of the greatest films I've ever made. Yeah. True. That's an extremely high bar. So I would advise every other shark movie to go the Sharknado or Deep Blue Sea Road. Yeah. Yeah. So, unfortunately for the Mac, right, it tries to do both to its own detriment. Uh-huh. 
it can't be half serious and half campy. Oh man. Um, ultimately, the Mac sets audiences up for a good old-fashioned decreature movie, okay. but it lacks the genre trills mm-hmm. okay. and tries to take itself too seriously. And the bite is just too cheesy to make it worth diving in. Like. Okay. Um, because I feel that yeah, it just can't be half serious. Yeah. Half of the movie really takes itself seriously, and and that. It should just be full campy. Yeah. Sharknado 6, you know, where they fucking time travel and meet Hitler and shit like that. Yeah. I mean, I, it should be something like Rampage, like, you know? Yeah. Where just fun bum, uh, monsters just bashing things up. Uh. Mm-hmm. Um, this is a 4 out of 10 for me. 4 out of 10, okay. Jason Statham initially said that the original script was much uh, campier and much grittier. Aww. It was supposed to be more like Piranha than oh. what it ended up to be. Aww. So, uh, because they wanted a PG-13 release, why oh, they released okay, it, they okay, turned okay. it down. I think that is the that issue. That is the mistake. That is the mistake. Yeah. Uh, the next one I'll be talking about is a local horror movie called 2359 The Haunting Hour. This is the sequel? Yes, it's a sequel to a 2011, a 2011 movie called yeah. 2359, which I had no idea existed. Neither anyway. did I. <laughs> anyway, um, I only learned about it in the cinema. Mm-hmm. Oh shit, this is a sequel. Mm-hmm. Do I need to catch up? Apparently nope. not. Like. It's, an, <laughs> it's an anthology. Uh, oh, okay. The Haunting Hour is a Singaporean horror comedy oh, okay. anthology about nationals, a national serviceman who posts horror stories on his blog. Like. Um, the tales are interesting, but the storytelling is frightfully boring. Oh, yeah. Uh, it's run-of-the-mill, don't waste your time with this one. It's a 0.5 out of 10. 0.5? Damn, is son! Is the lowest? Yeah, that's probably the lowest. lowest that we could 10 okay. I, I wanted to write a 1 out of 10, but... Is it was... better than Our Boys to Men? Uh, no. Oh, okay, then yeah, that's bad. Yeah. Oh. Alright, alright. What's next? Up next is the last... Oh, the second last thing I have on... Uh, Quick hits. It is the return of a show that we kind of liked last year called Mr. Mercedes. Uh, um, it's been a great few years for Stephen King adaptation with you know It, Gerald's mm-hmm. Game, mm-hmm. and currently Castle Rock, la, kind mm-hmm. of dominating genre headlines in TV and film. One that went by unnoticed and slightly underrated last year was this hidden show called Mr. Mercedes on the Audience Network, produced mm-hmm. by David E. Kelly of you know The Practice, Boston Eagle, yeah, yeah. McBeal, Big Little Lies, stuff mm-hmm. like that. Um, it was a show that I liked quite a bit because it was a prestige class pop murder mystery mm-hmm. uh, that was chilling, emotionally haunting, and quite gruesome. Uh, it kind of falters in the last few episodes, but I think it was overall a decent to good show. Okay. Uh, now in its second season, the show jumps from hardball detective drama oh. into full-on fantastical sci-fi. <gasps> um, based on the third book of the Mr. Mercedes novels, the second season sees comatose serial killer Brady Hartsfield develop psychic powers no. after being experimented upon by shady neurologists. Wait, 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 what? Yeah, so there's this weird company, a Roxxon-esque company that wants to develop some brain chemicals or whatever, injects him with it, and then he develops ESP. <laughs> so this show became... Sci-fi lah. But, but, honestly, right, upon reading... Okay lah, I didn't read the third book lah, but after reading the Wikipedia of the third book, it seems fairly faithful. Okay. Nice! Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, re- I guess I'm catching this. Yeah, it's it's a huge tonal shift. Yeah. Um, the result of the first few episodes is that there is a lot of setup and a bit tedious lah. Mm-hmm. Um, the vibe and the status quo is not quite compelling enough for me to keep going into season two. Oh. Although I do appreciate how much, how different it is lah, and how much it's trying to grow okay. and trying to be a different show. Um, the cast and its acting, especially Brendan Deeson's, uh, remains top notch. Uh, yeah, but but setup for its new status quo is too shaky and too ludicrous for me to continue. Mm. Uh, because it's it's a huge jump, you see, okay. from from such a gritty detective drama into this. The hardball detective to suddenly this sci-fi. Yeah, okay. admittedly, this rating is only based on my first on the first two episodes. Okay. Uh, but I won't be continuing, so that's the only uh 
barometer I have. Um, so this is a six out of ten. Not too bad. It's okay. Yeah, it's, okay. it's actually okay. All right. Uh, the last thing I will talk about is a show. Well, it's a new show by Matt Groening, fa- uh, famously the creator of Simpsons, Futurama. Futurama. His new show stars A.B. Jacobson, uh, from Broad City, obviously. Yeah. And it actually has a really, really stellar voice cast. It does. It does. does. It, yeah. does. it does. She does. <laughs> it does. It's called uh, Disenchantment. Yes. Uh, it's currently out on Netflix. Uh, There's what a you, lot of hype going into this. It's a lot of... I mean, Matt Groening. Yeah, exactly. A legend yeah, yeah. of the field. Uh, yeah. Uh, there will not be uh, this modern uh, crop of... This current golden age of animation without Matt Groening. Yeah, true. That being said, right? What do you guys think of the show? And that's the issue there. Yeah. Right. So Matt Groening might have been the guy that started it all, mm-hmm. right? With Futurama and The Simpsons, and then you have everybody. We have BoJack Horseman now. We have Rick and Morty. We have uh, Steven's Universe and a bunch of other things, right? Mm-hmm. And suddenly Matt Groening's work kind of pales in comparison. Feels dated, right? Yeah. Yeah. And that's the sad thing, lah. Mm-hmm. I mean, the animation style is cute. It's very Matt Groening like, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Uh, it could be more polished. If, yes, correct. Yeah. I mean, with new technology and all yep. that stuff. Yeah. Um, like the scenery was very beautiful, you know, the, the yeah. world building, the world setting and all that was nice mm. to look at. Mm-hmm. But there was something just not, doesn't yeah. sit well for me with this series. Did both of you finish the series? I yeah. finished the third episode. Fourth, fourth or fifth. And then I didn't continue. Okay, so I, I was stuck at the airport with nothing else to watch, <laughs> no Wi-Fi, and I just so happened to have the entire series so you went to watch downloaded it on my Netflix, right? So I, I kind of like grunted my way through that. I definitely agree with you. I do... There were points when I was experiencing that, especially the background renderings. Right. Which seems to be like a common thing. Excellent. Excellent it's stuff. Right. Yeah. Uh, it's very interesting to see a group of animators that Groening always works with kind of up their game thanks to the technology that's available right mm-hmm. now. And those things are very, very beautiful. The world was very beautifully yep. rendered. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I can safely say that I do not remember laughing at anything for the entire series. <laughs> I didn't laugh also. I felt that it was a very pedestrian attempt at doing a new animated show. Mm, um, yeah. There is nothing about it that is outrightly bad, you see? Yeah. yeah. But, but there's nothing it about is, it that is good either. It's but, very yeah. mad. It's very run of the mill. And then the problem is, okay, like how we enjoyed Final Space is because we came in with no hype. Yeah. We yeah. just watched it and loved it. This yeah. came in with so much hype. Yeah. And it, it, it makes it even worse, right, with all the hype that's, yeah. you know, on the... There's a lot of baggage, right, for a mad groaning show. Mm-hmm. It's unavoidable. Like. Unavoidable. It's groaning. Yeah. Mm. I mean, so I did find a lot of things very comforting. The animation style is familiar, mm-hmm. right? The character archetypes are familiar. Mm-hmm. And all these things are something that you've either seen in The Simpsons or Futurama. Even the way that the jokes play out and even the overarching storylines are all things that we've seen before. Mm-hmm. But with a fantasy setting, right? Yeah. So given all those things, even if he were to deliver the exact same beats, right? Yeah. But in a different context, I thought it would have worked perfectly fine. Mm-hmm. But it doesn't. Mm. And despite the fact that the last few episodes do rescue the storyline a bit, mm-hmm. uh, emotionally, with, I guess. emotionally, yeah. right, with uh, with a fair bit of like, there's a fair bit of payoff, right? yeah. but it takes way, way too long to get to that point, okay. right? And you can see like uh, first three episodes, like the animation style, especially for the foreground characters, are like, very, very sloppy. It gets better over time. Oh. Uh, and in fact, the last few episodes, the animation is is quite spectacular. Okay. Right, but in the same way, the story starts sloppy, and it gets better as it goes along. But it's a little too it's too little too late. Yeah. Uh, in my opinion, um, will I watch a season two? I might give it a shot, but it's nothing more than a five out of ten for me. Okay. I mean, do you think we See should continue? Uh, I okay. The way that it ended yeah. did allow. I mean, like Abby is great. Mm. 
as a voice actress mm-hmm. uh, for the character that she's playing, it's great. Mm-hmm. I do love uh, Princess Bean as a character. Mm. I do feel that it's something new and something uh, quite novel in, in terms of, you know, uh, the cast of like Disney princesses that we have yeah. as a princess character, mm-hmm. right? Um, and she tries her best with what is quite honestly a very mediocre script. Oh yep. Uh, but where it ends up, I am curious to see where her character goes next. Uh-huh. But I'm not sure if that's enough to kind of like make me go through the whole of the second season. We really have to see. Okay, so I might yeah. catch one or two episodes when especially it comes with, with so much going on right now in streaming. Exactly, and I agree. And everything. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Again, like if I wasn't enough. stuck at the airport, I don't think I would have made. Based on the four episodes you've seen, what was your rating? Oh, um, about five lah. Yeah. I mean, Five all five all around. I guess. If there was no hype to it, maybe a bit more like six or seven. Not six lah, six six the max lah. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. But it's just I expected a lot more, and maybe it's my fault lah. Mm-hmm. You know, because Matt Groening is such a fucking legend, right? Yeah, of course. Yeah, so five. The, the, the thing is, right? It isn't Matt Groening's humor that is dated. Is that like it's just this is a bad work? Yeah. yeah. Because if you rewatch the first twelve seasons of of The Simpsons, or you rewatch Futurama. It still holds up. Yeah, it does. It, does. It, it, it almost still feels cutting edge actually, because it's just very timeless comedy, mm, There is. is nothing that uh, resonant about this particular work. I agree. Yeah. and that's why I think maybe you should give it a miss, like, and watch Final Space instead. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, and uh, the last segment that I have this month is where I recommend reading material. Yeah. Uh, so this month's pull list um, is, I think, three of the best things I've ever recommended on any pull list. What do we have? Uh, we have. Two comic books. Well, one comic book, one graphic novel, mm-hmm. and one actual book because I do read prose. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Just, just I like I like people. People because <laughs> you know I recommend a lot of comic books and people are like, do you read words? Yes. I don't just look at the pictures and be like, oh, nice. <laughs> <laughs> okay, just a quick one, right? Yeah. What's the difference between a comic book and a graphic novel? I think to me, a graphic novel is a singular volume. Mm-hmm. It's just basically one story, right? Okay. Up. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I, 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 it has to do with serialization, I think. Yeah, a comic oh, book series. It's a la. format. Okay. Yeah. yeah cool. Yeah. I mean, just I mean, I know that. I just wanted to ask. To me, it's just the difference between a mini series and an ongoing, and an ongoing series. series. Okay. Got yeah. It. But otherwise, it's just like words with pictures, la. All right. Yeah. Not noted. With noted. Thanks. Yeah. Okay. So, what are the three things you're recommending? Um, the first one, since it recently won the Eisner Award mm. and uh, the Hugo Award for best ongoing comic series, uh, uh, I'm gonna recommend Madri Liu's Monster Monstrous. I'm sorry. Nicely done. Yeah. Uh, Monstrous is an epic um kind of fantasy. Uh, as I said, expertly written by Madrilu and drawn by Sana Takeda, mm-hmm. and is published by Image Comics. Mm-hmm. And outside of Saga, I really feel that Monstrous is like the greatest fantasy, fantasy? comic of the last decade. Okay. Um, the art is gorgeous. It's manga inspired. Um, it's set in this like magical post-apocalyptic matriarchal Asia. Um, it's massively dense and gloriously violent. Mm-hmm. It's the kind of complex narrative about race, feminism, war, slavery. That would make George R. R. Martin envious, lah. Yeah. Because you know, uh, monstrous continue continues to meet his deadlines, and George R. R. Martin doesn't. <laughs> um, despite it being of similar scope and scale, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, this kind of gargantuan world building is really, really very rare in comics. Uh, which is what makes it special. But monstrous is unique in many other ways as well. Not least of which, uh, that there are no men or white characters. So the usual archetypes of uh, the white male narrative is totally subverted. Not even subverted, it's not there. It's not there, it's non-existent. Yeah, so it, it allows all the feelings or the range of emotions to, to be typically expressed by a man to just be given to just a bunch of women. Okay. Because it is a matriarchal Asia. Nice. I mean, think about all the feminist narratives that we've seen in comic books. Like, say for example, Why the Last Man. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All dominated by women. 
it's but still it's still only to, 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 to the perspective to, 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 of, of a man. man. Yeah. yeah. So this 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 is very rare and very unique and very well written. Uh. Um, the series itself uses the fantasy genre to explore real-world issues in new and fascinating ways. Okay. Uh, so it's like Game of Thrones, but more tasteful when it comes to the social issues at hand. Okay. Because, uh, you know, Game of Thrones is very rapey. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Uh, and amongst other things. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so this is actually a 10 out of 10 for me. Oh, wow. Yeah. Okay, um, I'll definitely get it then. Definitely, yeah. Uh, for this episode, like, Monstrous and uh, Counterpart are the two things that I would... Highly recommend. Highly, highly recommend. Like, what else? Uh, next one is a little graphic novel called uh, Sabrina. Not Sabrina the Teenage Witch. That was where I was going. Or The Chilling Adventures of Sabrina, which will be turned into a Netflix TV show, by the way. Sabrina. I'm actually quite looking forward to that. We'll see, Same. We'll see how that goes. Yeah. But this is a graphic novel called Sabrina uh-huh. by uh, a writer called Nick uh, Drenasso. Okay. Uh, D-R-N-E-S-O, if you can Google that. Nick Drenasso made literary history when his graphic novel Sabrina became the first ever comic to be nominated for the Man Booker Prize. Oh. Just this year. And after reading it, right, and I, I only picked it up because I, I saw the Man Booker Prize long list. I'm like, what the fuck? There's a comic book here. Since when? Yeah. Apparently, since now. Since like. now, like, yeah. Yeah. Um, and I think that Sabrina fully deserves its accolades. Okay. Um, Sabrina is a book with no easy description and it's probably best left undescribed for those who haven't read it yet. But if you require a primer, let me try. La. Try, try. Um, Sabrina follows a group of unremarkable Americans mm-hmm. in mundane environments that go through sudden trauma and are sucked into this the horror of the contemporary internet rumor cycle. Um, Sabrina's story develops from like uncertain, unpredictable emotions of everyday experiences into like the mi- micro paranoia of online clickbait. Um, it's kind of this chilling analysis of the nature of trust and truth and the erosion of both in the age of the internet, um, especially in the age of Trump. Actually, I yeah. Say. Okay. Um, the deliberate and controlled narrative is very, very unnerving and the visuals make it downright terrifying. Although what they're dealing with, you know, there's no monsters, there's no supernatural threats or anything, yeah. but it's just very real-world terror. Mm. That um, isn't even like The Handmaid's Tale, which is you know, slightly further off. Yeah. This is stuff that's happening now and can happen to you. Um, the characters are drawn with very simple cartoonish lines, but uh, Drenasso is so deft at making... Or building sim- seemingly simple things into something so fully realized and very very intimate that I that I think that Sabrina is one of the best graphic novels I've read this year. It's a nine out of ten for me. Wow. Yeah. Uh, What's the last thing? The last thing is something that I've spent maybe the last five months slowly muddling my way through because they are a series of books that are very very thick mm-hmm. and very very highly recommended and acclaimed, but I haven't read them. What is it? It is the Broken Earth Trilogy by N.K. Jemisin. Oh, okay. So, um, in 2016, N.K. Jemisin became the first African-American woman to win Best Science Fiction Novel for the fifth season, the first book of this trilogy. In 2017, uh, at the Hugo Awards, I'm sorry. Uh, in 2017, she won again for its sequel entitled The Obelisk Disc. Okay. And in 2018, she won for the third year in a row, mind you. Wow. Which is a record. No one's ever done this before. And I'm not talking about an African-American or a woman. I'm talking about any offer ever to win three years in a row for the three for the three installments of the same book, you know. Series. Okay. That's quite crazy. That's crazy. The, yeah. Yeah, the third year the third book is called The Stone Sky. Okay. So I was like, fuck, all these accolades, I should probably check probably it out. Right? Yeah, it it you know, winning three years in a row. It has to be good, right? Yeah. Was it good? Yeah it is. Damn son. Yeah. Um collect Collectively, all three books are called the Broken Earth Trilogy, mm-hmm. as I mentioned. And I think it's safe to say that no other modern sci-fi series has ever been this acclaimed. Uh, or, and no other sci-fi offer has been so... Highly praised? Highly praised or rewarded 
or had received as much critical education at least amongst mainstreams. Yeah. Mainstream literary establishment. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's more nerds and geeks getting into this kind of places, lah. Correct. Yeah. Um. I came into this podcast with the intention of only reviewing the latest book because that's what won this year. Uh, the Stone Sky. But since it's a trilogy, I think it's prudent that you all go read this like me mm-hmm. because it's amazing. Uh, set in a single supercontinent referred to as the Stillness <gasps> by its inhabitants, the con- the continent is constantly wrecked by uh, geological cataclysms. Um, and every few hundred years, an event is sev- severe enough to touch off a global volcanic winter. Winter is coming. Okay. Uh, referred to as the fifth season. Okay. Uh, some characters referred to as Orogenes, I'm not sure how to really pronounce that, uh-huh. O-R-O-G-E-N-E-S, Orogenes, yeah, have right. the ability to manipulate geological energies on a large scale as well as magic on a smaller scale. Um, they are a persecuted and feared minority, although it's largely due to their efforts that humanity has survived at all throughout the seasons. Um, its vivid characters, thoughtly constructed plot, and outstanding world building come together for an impressive and timely story of abuse and grieving survivors fighting to fix themselves and save the remnants of their shattered home. Uh, now, traditional fantasy and sci-fi premises always posit, always try to explain that the world, world is worth saving, right? Yeah. yeah. Uh, the Broken Earth trilogy series outright twists Some and rejects that? the notion. Um, it shows a world where cataclysm and upheaval is the norm, and the Stone Sky especially interrogates what right do worlds built on oppression and genocide have to exist? Mm. In a way that Battlestar Galactica did. Okay. Wow. okay. Yeah, I really, really like that. It's a, it's an eight point five out of ten for me. Uh, the first book is like a ten out of ten. Okay. The second book is like a nine out of ten. Okay. The third book slightly worse. It's an eight point five out of ten. Okay. But I mean, still, so still, all, still yeah. all very highly rated. Yeah. yeah. So all three well deserved winners. All three well deserved winners for okay. sure. Yeah. Um, the Hugo Awards this year, I do have to shout out that every single major award, every single major award was won by a female author, which hasn't has never yeah. been done. Before. Wait, what? Never happened. Yeah, never. Madrilu won for the comics. Uh, basically, N.K. Jemison swept everything. Uh-huh. Uh Yeah. So, um, female authors took home short story, long story, novels, novelettes, comic books, graphic novels, That's TV awesome. series. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. So, um. Unusual and hopefully this trend uh, continues. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, this has been it for this month's genre equality. That was Nine. fun, right? This was really fun. Next month is a heavy one. Mm-hmm. Although, a flip of this month because it's heavy on movies, which yep. means less time investment for us. Yay! <laughs> but there are a lot of movies to watch. La. Yeah, yeah, but, but, but that's then, like one time, you know? This one time, it's not like 13 hours. <laughs> yes. Uh, next month, we'll be covering Teen Titans Go to the Movies. Yes, I can't wait. like a better version of Deadpool 2. Yeah. Uh, we'll be Talking about the return of Bojack Horseman, yes. which I think is the most anticipated of all of this. It is. Uh, we'll be talking about a cute, sweet little anime called Mirai. Mm-hmm. Uh, we'll be watching uh, this coming week. Mm-hmm. Uh, we'll be talking about a balls out wild horror movie called Mandy, starring a crazy Nicolas Cage fighting a demon biker from space. Yep. Uh, that looks great. Uh, we'll be talking about a few other movies like Upgrade as well, mm-hmm. Kin. Mm-hmm. Uh, and for quick hits, I'll touch upon The Predator, Iron Fist, Castle Rock, uh, Misfits and Monsters, The Nun. And the final episode of Adventure Time, which I'm set to see go. So that is the tentative rundown for next month. Uh, It's a special episode. Why is that? Episode 10. Okay, I yeah. thought 12 would be that special episode because uh, our... 10, because double digits, first double digits. Oh yeah, being yeah. a monthly podcast. Yep. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Because our hard hits is like at 87 or 88. So or it's going to reach 100 soon. Yeah. 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 Maybe John Equality 100 will be... Oh, 100 months. That's 100 a, months. That's a long time. Man. <laughs> that's a long That's 10 years, bro. Let's uh... No, what, what kind of math are you doing? 10 right? years? 10 years. No, less than 10 years. 